Well, afternoon, church. Um, my name's Nathan. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, wonderful to see a few faces that I don't recognise and a lot that I do. Um, it's wonderful to gather this afternoon and to look at God's Word together. Um, if you've joined us for the first week uh, this week, we've been looking at Ecclesiastes. Uh, we're doing the whole book in two talks. Uh, the first one was last week, and the last one, as you can work out, is this week. Um, so last week, just as a recap, if you, if you weren't here for the talk, we looked at, at the start of Ecclesiastes, and my, my sermon actually began before I got up. Um, I played uh, the opening scene to The Lion King. Uh, this, this great picture of the circle of life, this life that goes round and round with streams flowing. That's, that's the first chapter of Ecclesiastes. And we, and we looked at how uh, this, this life, this circle of life that we're in, is only really a mist. It's here in a moment and it's gone the next and as Gary talked about at the start of church today, um, we looked at the, the, the opposition of gain and gift. Uh, we looked at how we should stop living our lives for gain and instead enjoy our life as a gift. That's what the start of Ecclesiastes is all about and, and the book is all about really. Uh, but this week, uh, as we just heard it read, we're going to look at the end of Ecclesiastes, the closing scene of the book. And here we get, we get the final words from this teacher, uh, the teacher that we were introduced to last week, this king over Jerusalem, this wise man. We get his final words in Ecclesiastes, but we also get the voice of someone else. Uh, you might have picked up in the reading there that in, in chapter 9 it kind of shifts and now we get the voice of who many people think is the author of Ecclesiastes. The person who collated all of the teacher's sayings together and he gives us his final take on the book at the very end from chapter, verse 9 onwards. So we're going to consider the two voices of Ecclesiastes today. We're going to think about uh, the, what the teacher has to say and then we're going to think about what the author of the book has to say as we finish up our series in Ecclesiastes. But before I jump in, uh, we're going to need God's help as always. Um, so I'm going to pray for his help um, and please would you pray with me too. Heavenly Father, thank you for the book of Ecclesiastes. Thank you for the time that we have now to sit with it, um, to let it impact us. Um, God, would you help open our hearts to see uh, what you are saying to us today through your word. Um, Lord, would we respond rightly uh, to what we hear today and would our lives be changed because of it. And we pray this uh, for your glory and in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to start off by telling you a story. I want to take you back, um, not that many years, but back to when I was young. A lot of you might look at me and think you're still young. Back to when I was really young, probably when I was about 10, 11 years old. One of my favourite things to do back then, and still is to do, is to go rock hopping. Does anyone know what rock hopping is? Has anyone been rock hopping before? When you kind of go to the headland of a beach and you explore the headland, you kind of jump from rock to rock, you hang out. I was doing this with my best mate at the time, Lachlan, and our parents were back on the beach, so we decided we'd go for a rock hop. We kind of went all the way around this headland. We found cool starfish, different pools and stuff. But then it started getting a bit dark. And we thought we probably should get back to our parents before it gets dark. But it was already getting a bit dark, and we'd already rock hopped quite a long way. So rather than rock hopping all the way back around the headland, we thought if we just scale this little four-metre cliff, 
we can get to the top of the headland and then we'll be on the grass and we can just walk back. It'll be way shorter. Great idea. Ten-year-old me thought, what a good idea. So Lachlan went off ahead. He was pretty good. He started sort of scurrying up this cliff and I started too. And I started even telling this story, I'm getting sweaty hands, right? You get that feeling when you're kind of halfway up and, and you look down and you go, oh, gee, I'm pretty high. Sweaty hands kind of come in. And I go up and there's a bunch of tussocks on the, on the cliff and I grab a tussock and then the tussock lets go. And in that moment I thought, this is the end of Nathan Batten. This is my final hurrah. I'm going to plummet to the bottom of this cliff and someone's just going to find my body and I'll be on the news. Spoiler alert, that didn't happen. Obviously, I'm here today. Luckily, I had pretty good footing on my feet and sweaty-handed, I kind of climbed, scampered up and got to the top. Can I tell you, when I got to the top of that cliff, man, life was good. Man, the grass under my feet felt solid and soft. Man, the, 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 the sky was setting, the sun was setting, it was beautiful and blue, the ocean smelled sweet. Man, life was good. See, as death gets near to us, the presence of death in our lives gives us a new perspective. And hopefully as we look at the end of Ecclesiastes, we're going to see that today, that the presence of death gives new perspective to life. So let's look at the closing scene of Ecclesiastes, the final word of the teacher that we just heard read uh, just before by Jane so well. So back in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, there's this picture of life that just goes round and round, and there's kind of an abundance to life in Ecclesiastes 1. The sun, it always rises every day. The streams, they all flow into the ocean, but the ocean never gets full, it just keeps going. But then here at the end of Ecclesiastes, we get another picture of life, but it's a very different picture. Today, in this picture of life that the teacher gives us at the end, life is unraveling. Life is, it's degrading, it's crumbling. Ultimately, life in Ecclesiastes 12 is finishing. The curtain is being closed. This isn't just the final uh, picture of Ecclesiastes. This is the final chapter of life. Did you notice as Jane read it just before, all the language that there is of, of decay and death in these verses? It's a poetic end to the book, just like there was a poetic start to the book. But here, it leads to decay and ultimately death. I'm going to skim through uh, Ecclesiastes 12, so I'll try to keep up if you can. And we're going to look at all the pictures of decay here, right? I want you to picture what you see as you hear these words said by the teacher. In verse 2, he says, Before the sun and the light and the moon and the stars grow dark, and the cloud returns after the rain. In verse 4, When the, the doors of the street are closed and the, the sound of grinding, it fades. When people rise up to the sound of birds, but their songs grow faint. When there's, there's dangers on the street. When the almond tree blossoms and the grasshopper drags itself along and desire is no longer stirred, then people go to their eternal home and 
mourners go on the street. Before the, the silver cord is severed and the, and the golden bowl is broken. Before the pitcher is shattered. There's our nine letter word. The wheel it's broken off at the well. And the dust it returns to the ground it came from. And the spirit returns to the God who gave it. Meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher. Everything is meaningless. See, what is Ecclesiastes chapter 12 depicting? It's depicting death, isn't it? The decay into death of all life. At the start of the book, life was abundant. It was going round and round. And here at the end, it's collapsing. Collapsing into death and decay. Now, if we had the time and probably a few sermons more to look at Ecclesiastes, we would have seen this coming. Right? Death is all throughout the book of Ecclesiastes. Uh, I said that we're going to do the whole book of Ecclesiastes in two talks, so here we go. I'm going to give you a sample from every chapter in the book of Ecclesiastes. Feel free to flick along with me, but again, you're going to have to be quick because we don't have a lot of time. But back in chapter 1, verse 11... We read these words, No one remembers the former generations. And even those yet to come, they won't be remembered by those who follow them. In chapter 2, in verse 18, again we read, I hated all things I had toiled for under the sun because I have to leave them to someone who comes after me. And who knows whether that person will be wise or foolish. Again, in chapter 3, verse 19, Surely the fate of human beings is like that of the animals. The same fate awaits them both. As one dies, so dies the other. All have the same breath. Humans have no advantage over animals. Everything is meaningless. Then chapter 4, verse 2, And I declare that the dead who have already died, they're happier than the living who are still alive. But better than both is the one who has never been born. It was not seen the evil that is done under the sun. There's just picture of death after death. Verse, uh, chapter 5, verse 15. Everyone comes naked from their mother's womb, and, everyone, as, and so as everyone comes, so they are going to depart. They take nothing from their toil. They can carry nothing in their hands. Verse 6, uh, chapter 6, verse 12. Flick there with me for... Who knows uh, what is good for a person in life during the few and meaningless days they pass through like a shadow. Who can tell what will happen under the sun after they're gone? Same thing in chapter 8, verse 8. As no one has power over the wind to contain it, so no one has power over the time of their death. Chapter 9, verse 10, again. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. For in the realm of the dead, where you are going, there is neither working, nor planning, nor knowledge, nor wisdom. Now, chapter 10, it was hard to find something about death, but the first verse has death in it. As dead flies give perfume, as a dead fly gives perfume a bad smell, so a little folly outweighs wisdom and honour. I don't know if that's quite uh, about uh, death and end times, but death's in there, so it, it, it proves my point. 
at least I hope. And then in chapter 11, just before uh, the passage we read today, light is sweet in verse 7, and it pleases the eye to see the sun. However many years anyone may live, let them enjoy them all. But let them remember the days of darkness, for they will be many. Everything to come is meaningless. And as we've just seen, chapter 12, again, is just full of pictures of decay and death. See, last week I gave you my one-sentence summary of all of Ecclesiastes. Stop living your life for gain and instead enjoy your life as a gift. But there's probably another. Here's another one sentence of Ecclesiastes. You're all going to die. It's heavy, isn't it? But it's true. See, if life is a mist, it doesn't last forever. Ultimately, our bodies, our, our minds, they decay, they, they fall apart. We all feel this to some extent, don't we? Some of you probably more than others. Man, I'm feeling it right now. I've just had four days of youth camp. and I got back about two hours ago. You can imagine how I'm feeling, man. My body, it's a bit sore from sleeping in my swag for three nights. My mind's a bit blurry because I've been talking to young people for four days. I'm only 27. I'd hate to know how some of you are feeling, you know. <laughs> but we all feel it, don't we? We all feel this decay. We all feel the pain and the yearning of things falling apart. Knees that just are a little bit stiffer than they used to be. A back that's just always a bit sore. A mind that just doesn't quite feel as sharp as it used to be when I was young. And if this isn't you, if you're young and you're feeling pretty of, uh, uh, upbeat and pretty good at the moment, it's coming. You can't avoid it. Talk to someone who's older, it's coming. We can't avoid the decay of life. And Ecclesiastes, the whole book, and especially chapter 12, puts that right before our faces. We can't ignore it. And the teacher wants the presence of death in Ecclesiastes to change the way we look at our life. Ecclesiastes wants death to give us a new perspective on life. And what's the perspective that this teacher wants us to have? Well, there's a couple of things. Here's the first one. The teacher wants death to help you remember your creator. See, we need to remember our creator because it helps us remember that we're created. We're mortal. We die. As we think about death, it reminds us that we're not in control of our lives, are we? God is. God's the one who created all things. God is the one who, behind Ecclesiastes 1, who sustains all things that go round and round. And God holds our lives in the palm of his hand. See, in our culture, we like to push death to the side, don't we? We hide death in hospitals, in morgues. We don't want to see it because it's, it's offensive to us. And it's offensive to us because we feel like we want to be in control of our lives. But in Ecclesiastes, death mocks us. 
You think you can achieve things? Well, one day they're all going to go away. Death, it's the great equaliser in Ecclesiastes. The teacher says, well, the rich, the poor, they both die. Doesn't matter how much you achieve, how much you do, you can't escape the fate of death. Remember your creator because it helps you remember that you are created. You are mortal, Ecclesiastes says. But also, we need to remember our creator because it's our creator God who is going to judge this world one day. I look at the start of our reading today. In in chapter 11, verse 9, we read the teacher speaking to those who are young. And if you don't think you're young, the teacher lived like thousands of years ago. So to the teacher, we're all young. So listen to this. You who are young, be happy while you're young and let your hearts give you joy in the days of your youth. Follow the ways of your heart and whatever your eyes see, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. See, we need to remember that God is the judge. That's why I've just spent four days at youth camp looking at. We looked at heaven and hell with the youth. But that's not just a message for young people. This, these words to the young here for Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes aren't just for teenagers. It's for all of us. Because every one of you here, one day, is going to face your Creator God. And God is going to judge you. That's a scary thought. One day we are going to face the judgment of God, Ecclesiastes says. So these two realities that we are created by God and that one day our creator God is going to judge us, they should change our perspective on life. Because death changes our perspective on life, doesn't it? So if we are alive now, and I assume we all are, hopefully, how are we going to live now? How's our perspective on life going to change now? Well, the author of Ecclesiastes tells us something. He says we need to fear God and we need to keep His commandments. See, at the end of the book, from verse 9, we get uh, the closing words of Ecclesiastes, and they come from someone else who, who looks at all that the teacher says and gives their final conclusion to the book. Look there at chapter 12, verse 9 with me, if you have it open. It's in your handouts. In verse 9 to 10, we see that the author, he says that everything the teacher says, it was wise and it was, it was true and he, and he searched to find just the right words to write. He's a fan of the teacher, this guy. I would assume so because he's just written a whole book about him. And he says everything he wrote was upright and true. Well, the teacher says here is true. And in verses 11 to 12, he warns us, doesn't he? He, he says, be careful of uh, the words that are that are given, that there's, there's many books that were out there, there's no end to study, so there's many wise words in the world that we can look at, 
But what are the wise words we should pay attention to? What does he say in verse 11? He says, the words of the wise, they're like goads, they're collected sayings, like firmly embedded nails, given by one shepherd. Be warned, my son, of anything in addition to them. So who is the one shepherd? So who is the author behind Ecclesiastes? Well, yes, it is the teacher. Yes, it is. It's the author here who's writing these words. But the author knows behind the words of the wise, behind the words of Scripture, are God. There is one shepherd guiding us by his words in the Bible. It's God. And he says that the wise words, uh, the, the words of the wise, they're like goads or they're like the collected sayings that are like firmly embedded nails. Now, what is a goad? A goad was a pointy stick that shepherds would use to, to show their sheep, uh, point their sheep in the right direction, right? If, if you're walking along a path as a shepherd and sheep are very stubborn and they start heading off into the bushes, they had this stick that they would jab them with. And sometimes for the really stubborn sheep, they'd put nails in these sticks so they could really stab them with it and get them back on path. This is the picture that the author is giving us of Ecclesiastes. And ultimately, this is a picture of Scripture, isn't it? This shepherd God who has these wise words to say to us, who, who jabs us, who, who prods us when we stubbornly wander off the path. So I think sometimes we can read a part of Scripture that doesn't quite sit with us. We go, oh, I don't like that because that's not the way I want to live. Or maybe that's the way I am living. I don't like that Scripture's kind of pointing it out. So I think what the, the words here in Ecclesiastes are saying to us is we need to pay attention most to those parts of Scripture that poke us jab us a little bit, that make us feel uncomfortable because that is God trying to guide us, trying to say, stop going this way, sheep, come back on the path, live under me. So one way we can respond in our lives is to listen to the words of Scripture, to read the Bible, to search out these wise words and try to live by them and, and pay attention to the parts that make you feel uncomfortable. Because they're probably the parts you need to hear the most. But the main point that the author makes here at the end of the book is in the next verse. Now I said that there was, I was going to give you one uh, summary of Ecclesiastes today. I've given you another. And here's a third. I promise this is the last one. But Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13 is the author's summary of the book. What does the author have to say about all that the teacher has said in Ecclesiastes? Well, we read it in verse 11, uh, verse 13, sorry. Look at verse 13 with me. Now that all has been heard, here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. For this is the duty of all mankind. Fear God and keep his commandments. That's how we are to live. We are to live fearing God. Because we're not in control of our lives. God is. 
God holds our lives in our hands. So we need to come to him with, with fear and trembling to say, God, you are the one who's in control. I'm not. And we need to keep his commandments. We need to live for him. Now, sometimes people think that keeping God's commandments is just like trying to be the teacher's pet. Like you're just trying to do it because God said I should do it. That's not the case. God's commandments are good. God's commandments are a gift to us. God made us. God is all-powerful. He knows how we should live. So follow Him. Keep the commandments that feel uncomfortable. Listen to the wise words of Scripture as our shepherd guides us along the path of life. Fear God and keep His commandments. Because one day, you're all going to die. That's what Ecclesiastes says. Don't take my word for it. Take God's word for it. But as we finish up, I don't want to leave us here in this despair that you're all going to die. That's not a good spot to leave you. So there's another word I want to give you from Scripture. See, Ecclesiastes isn't the final word on death, is it? Ecclesiastes isn't the only book in the Bible. No, we keep reading, and who do we get to? Jesus. Our Creator. Our God who came to be with us. And what were Jesus' final words on death? It is finished. See, on the cross, the creator of the universe, he remembered us when we forget him. See, on the cross, our creator, he obeyed God perfectly when we don't. And on the cross, our creator, he destroyed the power of death and said, it is finished. He died for us. See, Ecclesiastes, it reminds us that we're all going to die. But Jesus shows us that death is not ultimately the closing scene of life. See, three days later, spoiler alert, he came back to life. So remember Jesus. Remember Jesus' death. That death will give the greatest perspective on life that you can have. Remember your creator who came and died for you. And obey him. Obey his commands because they're good. They're life-giving commands. And trust him because one day we're all going to die. One day we're going to be judged for how we've lived. But the good news is if we can trust Jesus... We don't need to fear that judgment. If we trust Jesus, he has promised us that we can have eternal life with him. So this might sound strange, but I think we need to think about the fact that we're going to die a little bit more than we do. 
In our culture, we don't like to think about death. But if life is temporary, just like Ecclesiastes says, if life is a mist that is here one moment and gone the next, then the reality of death needs to change the way you live now. So think about that. Don't live your life thinking that one day you're never going to die, because you are. And change the way you live now. See, when you think about the fact that when you die, all things are going to disappear, all of your wealth, all of your achievements, you don't take them with you. It changes your priorities, doesn't it? What are you living for? Are you living for this short, temporary life? Or are you living for the life that goes on forever? So today, let the presence of death in this sermon, in this passage, but in your life, let that give you a new perspective on life. Remember your Creator. Fear Him. And live for Him now while you can. Share the news with people. Don't live for gain, live for gift. Because if we live for Jesus, we don't have to fear death. Because Jesus' final words on death are, it is finished. On the cross, death was finished in Jesus. And he offers you life in return. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you that you sent Jesus to die for us. Lord, we are sorry that we sometimes forget the fact that we're going to face you one day. Well, the one day we're going to die, unless you come before that happens, and we're going to face you, our judge and our creator. But Lord, thank you that if we trust Jesus, we don't have to fear that day. Lord, thank you that we can live now with a new perspective on death because of what your son did in dying for us. Help us live our lives now changed by that perspective. 